You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, here we go again. We have another hunter success story today and it's a public land hunter success story and we're going to be joined by will Cornette. and i tell you what he's from ohio and this dude laid down another mature big buck on public ground in ohio for the second year in a row and as you will hear in the story it is less than 100 yards away from the stand location that he shot his buck in last year and last year's buck was an absolute stud um, and uh, you can hear that podcast on here as well uh, I don't even know when I did it but uh, just search Will Cornette and you'll be able to find it anyway short intro today um, and we're going to do a real quick <laughs> short in, uh, commercial and I really didn't know how I was going to do this, so I'll just do it the only way that I know how. And that's just throw a bunch of bullshit in your ears. And I think today we're going to highlight Exodus trail cameras. Exodus trail cameras are badass and kick-ass. And uh, I'm sure if you go to their website, you will read how badass and kick-ass they are. And they're... The company's owned by two badass and kick-ass guys. I've met them personally. They both have very strong handshakes, which means they're honorable people that make a really good product. They have the Lift 1 that I've been using now for several years and the Lift 2 that is their newer camera. It's badass. Um, They have a ton of great features and instead of wasting your time and listing all of them i think you guys should go to exodusoutdoorgear.com read up on how badass and kick-ass their cameras are and then buy one 
And when you buy one, you need to enter the discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will receive $20 off of your purchase. Now, isn't that cool? Enough of the talk real quick. We're going to get into today's, I guess, public land success story with returning guest, Will Cornett. All right. On the podcast for the second time, Mr. Will Cornett. How are you doing today, Will? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I tell you what, what I love this podcast and about it, what I love about this podcast is that I start to see trends in hunters, right? So last year, yeah. you you harvested a great buck, and then you harvested another great buck this year. Um, I've, I have several guys who, whether they're, they've been on the podcast or not, reach out to me and show me their success over the years. And I'm telling you what, man, mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys out there that are really good hunters, but either don't want the attention or just don't maybe get the credit that they, that they deserve for going out, locating mature bucks and, and harvesting them. I know and I'm, I'm doing a lot of talking right up, uh, right up front about this. I just want to get it off it popped into my head. And I just want to talk about it real quick. Yeah. 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 We, we see the, we see the hunting industry focus on a handful of people and say, these guys are good hunters because whatever, for whatever reason, or they can find a buck bed or they, they know how to wait over large mm-hmm. food plots or whatever, whatever right. the, the antler size. But I get to see the average Joes of America. And this is what I love, like yourself going out and getting it done on a regular basis, season after season. And, um, I, I don't know. I just love that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's what, you know, that's growing up, like that's all my friends. They're just, you know, they're average Joes and, um, yeah, a lot of them get it done consistently. Um, obviously they don't have shows or anything. So no one's heard about them. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of cool because it's it's tougher if you can't if it's not your job and you can't do it every day. Yeah, um, you kind of you have to you have to work and take care of kids and that type of thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, you can only you can only get out so many times a year. So absolutely, yeah, it's definitely more difficult if you're a if you're an average Joe. <laughs> so uh, that was a a real big distraction up front, but you did <laughs> you did well. You got. Um, you connected again this year, and there's a pretty cool story uh, that goes along with it that you, uh, you know, you sent me a, another message via Facebook, and you're like, "Hey Dan, check it out! I was successful again." And the cool thing about this again is it is on public ground, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. it was and for and for those that haven't heard, Will was on this podcast previous with a awesome buck uh, last year and he did it again this year and tell everybody how far away on this public piece was the buck you shot this year compared to the buck that you shot last year. Yeah. I mean, I was literally where I moved the tree stand to was a hundred yards away from where I got the, the big one last year. So it was, you know, I could almost see where I, where I had shot the other one last year. Yeah. So it was very close. Yeah. 
So what is it about this area that is so attractive for not only you to come and hunt there, but for the deer to live there? So it's a, it's a real big plot of public land. And, um, I mean, honestly, I'm still learning about this land because it's that big. Um, but what I found this summer is I, I did a little more scouting just because last year I moved right before season started and I didn't, you know, I just wasn't able to scout as long as I would typically, but this year I got to scout all winter, spring, summer, kind of figure out the land out a little better. And just going deeper in there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of just thick bedding areas. It almost looks like they were clear cut probably about, I'd say 10, 15 years ago. So there's just, it's just thick and gnarly in there with thorns and that type of thing. So I found a, I found more bedding areas this year. And then there's some scattered ponds about through the hardwoods. Um, and then also there's a lot of big ravines, which I think deer love all that. Cause there's a lot of thick cover. Um, there's, you know, there's water, there's a lot of oak trees. There's plenty of food for them. Um, there's no agricultural fields on the public land, but I mean, it's all surrounded. It's just, you know, Southwest Ohio, it's all surrounded with corn, soybeans, that type of thing. So you know, it's got pretty much everything that, that a deer would want. Right. So you just, so last year, it sounds like you, you kind of did like a run and gun type attack on this uh, property this year. You spent yeah. a lot more yeah. time, um, a lot more time doing your scouting. What were you looking mm-hmm. for specifically on these scouting missions you know, I know you kind of already mentioned it a little bit, but go into a little bit more detail about what you were specifically looking for, you know, so when yeah. the time came, it was, you know, you knew where you were going to set up. Yeah. So last year I ran cameras starting in August, like middle of August, kind of when I moved down to Cincinnati. Um, and I didn't get any mature box on camera. And I, I was a little discouraged about that because I didn't know exactly what I was working with yet. Um, so this year, what I was figuring is, I think during the rut down here, a lot of bucks just, they cruise over this public land. Um, I wasn't really sure, though. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to find bedding areas, see where the deer were kind of hanging out, um, find out where the doe were, where the doe hang out. Um, so... Yeah, I just I focused on just kind of putting cameras on the edges of the bedding areas and um, kind of in those deep ravines. Um, but it's funny, this year I didn't really get anything big on camera again. I got, the deer I shot this year I did not get on camera. Right. And it's it's, it's funny because that's not typically how it works out. But um, there's something about this property during the rut. The bucks are just flocking here. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of doe. So, so yeah, that was my big thing. Just find the bedding areas where the deer bedding, where is it thick? So when there's some pressure getting built up on public land, where are these deer hiding? And that's kind of what I did this year. Right. So do you feel that, you know, from what you learned last year and what you kind of gathered from, uh, scouting this year that the, the bucks were on different pieces of property and we're coming to this this particular piece of public ground because it was where all the does hung out 
I mean, I th- I'm thinking that's what's happening just because I was running a few cameras out there. And I didn't, I didn't get a picture of the guy that I shot this year, and I didn't get anything really that big on camera. So, I mean, I could have just put the cameras in the wrong spot, or you know, there is definitely a lot of bordering property that looks like it'd be great hunting land. So I'm thinking the bucks get themselves into trouble when the ruts happen and they they're cruising over here to this public land. Um, yeah. So, so so this year when you were doing your scouting, um, you know, you mentioned that from where you killed this year's buck to where you killed last year's bucks was really only a hundred yards different during your scouting missions. Were you seeing a lot of old, old scrapes or old rubs or any type of deer beds or deer sign that you were just like, I like this spot, but I got to tweak it a bit. Yeah, exactly. So I, I hunted the spot where I shot the big guy last year. I hunted that three times, two afternoons and one morning, which I don't usually hunt in the mornings. So that was a little unusual for me, but, um, but yeah, I hunted that spot three times and I had seen a lot of doe and a couple younger bucks, um, but nothing big. So I could kind of see where all the deer were coming and going from. And after my morning hunt, um, cause it was light out, obviously I walked over that way just to check it out a little bit more. And I, that's when I found some rubs, some scrapes and, um, it was on a great bed. It was closer to the bedding area where I was kind of focusing on. So that's when I decided to move my tree stand. So that I moved my tree stand that day over to that spot. And then I was able to just get in there quietly when I actually went out there and harvested the deer just because I'd have to bring the climber out with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I just saw where all the deer were coming and going from. I wasn't having much luck right where I was at. So I just moved a hundred yards closer to the bedding area which is a little aggressive. I was probably 70 yards from the bedding area. Um, so, you know, I just, I had to make a move. So I just, I did it and it worked out. So was that when you made that move, did you harvest your buck on the, that next hunt? Yeah, it was the next hunt, which would have been, um, two days later, two days later. So it was two days after that when I was back out there. Yep. All right. So from the initial adjustment where you, uh, where you move from, did you move to a higher elevation, a lower elevation? What was it that made you say, okay, I got to move here. It was the, it's actually, it's the exact same elevation. It's uh it's on this Oak flat. That's kind of surrounded by some big ravines, but I didn't change elevation at all. I just moved closer to the, to the, the thick bedding area okay. and where I had seen all the deer coming and going from. Um, part of the issue on the afternoon hunts was a lot of the deer, once they were getting out to where I was, it was already pretty dark. Yeah. So it was just, you know, it was one of those things where I needed to get closer to the bedding area so I could just get them coming out a little earlier. Right. And I hadn't seen anything big there yet. So I just, I think the big guys were just staying in the bedding area longer. They just weren't coming out so early. So that was really the main reason I moved there. Okay. So was this, what, what time of year was this when this was all going down? 
Uh, October 16th is when I got the deer. So it was kind of the whole pre-rut thing. It wasn't like full rut. Right. But, um, but the deer that I got was, he wasn't chasing a doe, but a doe walked by and he was, he was following behind her about, at about probably 40 yards behind her. He was, he was definitely interested. He just wasn't chasing her yet. So, yeah. So things are starting to heat up a little bit in the woods. Yeah. October 16th, man, that seems, that seems really early, but I guess sometimes you hear about, uh, you know, certain deer coming into heat a little bit later or a little bit earlier. Um, I know that, you know, peak breeding is November 14th. They say for a lot of these Midwestern States, um, based mm-hmm. off studies of when I guess deer are bred, uh, does are bred. Yeah. And, but you know, I guess it's not, it, it shouldn't be, it's probably uncommon, but he, you know, nothing to say he wasn't just out scent checking. Was there, was there a right. cold front or anything happening at that moment that maybe got, um, some of these deer on their feet a little earlier? So, um, Sort of. So coming from New York, it doesn't seem like a cold front down here, but it was like, it was like 50 degrees, but it had been in the seventies in early October. So yeah, it wasn't real cold, but the drop, it dropped about 20 degrees, um, through the weekend. And this was on on Monday. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of a cold front going on. And also how it happened was I was, I mean, I got up in the tree, I want to say around three o'clock and I was there about 20 minutes. And then I had a, a young buck come out of the bedding area and, um, he was actually with, with that same doe. So I was watching them for a while and then the big guy came out of the same bedding area. So I think it was a little safer. He was a little bit irritated by that little guy being around. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of got him going a little bit as well. He was getting a little territorial. Um, so yeah, he was, you know, he was around the little one kind of walked away cause he didn't want to mess around with him. But then the big guy actually left. I grunted at him a few times and he turned around and looked at me, but he didn't come in then. He actually turned around and left to the point where I couldn't see him. So I just I figured I'd wait. It was still early. You know, I just, we'll see if he comes back and he actually circled back around. It, it wasn't even a half hour. He came back a half hour later. So I don't know if the grunt did it, if he was a little agitated by the little buck and then he heard another grunt and he just wasn't, he just, he didn't like what was going on, but he was, uh, yeah, he was definitely out and about. So you think there was a chance that it it kind of, he maybe put you on the back burner for just a second to go check some other things out and then come back just out of pure curiosity? Yeah, that, and then I think that little one being around, he was agitated already. Yeah. And when I grunted, he couldn't see anything. He couldn't see an actual buck. So I think he kind of, he remembered that that happened, left for a while, and he came. He just circled right back, and he was he was coming through again. And actually, this whole time, the doe had bedded down about probably 30 yards from me. So he came back through and then was following her again. She came right through where the shooting where shooting lane was, and he was following behind her about 30, 40 yards. And um, that's actually when I when I was able to shoot him. And it was cool because I actually was using a, a mount on my bow with my cell phone. 
um, which took a better video than I thought, but like during the shot, it vibrated a lot. So you couldn't see like the impact shot or anything. Right. But it was right. still pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched that. It's pretty, it is pretty cool. Now yeah. I got a question for you. You mentioned that there's a, there was, you were on an Oak flat. Did you have a really good, uh, acorn harvest this year? Yeah, there was acorns everywhere. It seemed like there was a pretty good, uh, there's a pretty good harvest where, where I was anyway. Um, I mean, there was times when I was in the woods and it sounded like it was raining because there was just so many acorns falling down. Okay. So, so obviously there was a lot of food in there. How far were you? Two questions. How far were you from a field edge of any sort? If, mm-hmm. if you were on a field edge or close to a field edge and what was your access route like getting to that tree stand location? Yeah, so there, there's not really any fields near where I was. Um, the bedding area is um, it's kind of an area that looks like it had been clear-cut about 10 or 15 years ago. So it's not like a hardwoods or anything, but, you know, it's, it's that thick briar-type stuff. It, it was just real thick, but it's not a field, though. So I was probably 70 yards I don't know, 50 to 70 yards off of that into the hardwoods. Um, and then my access route. Yeah. So the big thing I do when I hunt public land is I, I get in as far as I can. So I parked at one of the parking areas for this, for this land. And I, I hiked in on this main horse trail about a mile and a half. And then I just followed some, some more, I think they're just their horseback trails. I just followed them in the woods about a half mile more. So I was about two miles in, which it made for a long night after I shot the deer, but I mean, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So go, obviously you hear about now I don't hunt a ton of public ground, um, maybe once a year uh-huh. this year. I, I didn't at all, but mm-hmm. Last no, was it last year or the year before? I got permission to cut through a piece of private ground, and uh, to hunt a back corner of this public ground. And mm-hmm. there were guys coming in off the road, going all the way back through public, the entire way. And that was probably close to that mile and a half mark. Um, yeah, maybe maybe closer to a mile, but still. How much pressure from other hunters were you fighting in, in this, this handful of days that you were uh, hunting that area? Um, not a ton. So I had seen other hunters walking out there. Um, but I didn't ever see anyone else out like when I was in my tree stand. Um, which was good. I don't know if they just weren't going out quite as far or if, just they were just kind of in a different area than we just didn't run into each other but i had seen a few people um but yeah the pressure where i was actually hunting in the tree stand was not that bad um which is good like that's kind of that's why i go so far out there i don't i don't want to see people um and you know the deer don't either so you just you gotta get you just gotta get deep in there i think that's a huge thing with hunting public land um and, it, and it's tough because of time constraints or whatever. Like if somebody's working till four o'clock, you know, it's 
it's tough to spend a half hour or so walking out to your tree stand. Sometimes you gotta, you just gotta do what you gotta do. But, yeah. um, yeah, that was my big thing. I just, I wanted to get deep in there. Um, but yeah, I didn't see anyone from my tree stand, which was good. Did you have any other tree stand locations other than, uh, the one from last year and this new one, you know, that was a hundred yards away, picked out through scouting that, um, you know, if things took a little longer, you were going to maybe hit up or bounce around to? I did. Yeah. I had some other spots in mind. I, I use a climber out there. Um, so I didn't actually have any hang on stands set up anywhere. Um, but I definitely had some other spots in mind that I could switch to if I needed to. Um, but that's, you know, maybe for next year, but I just, I just didn't have to. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, You've only been hunting this particular piece of public ground for how many years? Two? Yeah, this was my second year. This was your second year. I just moved down here last year, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So, I'm just kind of bouncing all over here, but this, this, uh, the buck comes through, you shoot him, uh, and did you, I mean, when you first saw him and then he disappeared, do you know what, did you know what he was? Well, sort of, because that's the other weird thing is half of his, one side of his rack is kind of busted off a little bit. Um, so I could sort of see what was going on there, but it was hard to tell from up in the tree stand. Um, I could just tell he had a huge body and he was a, uh, on the, the one side that's normal, he was a a 10 or a five point on just the one side. Um, so I could tell he was big. He had a big rack and his body was just huge. Um, so yeah, I could tell, I could tell he was an old deer. And that's the other thing is some people, if the racks busted up, they'll pass on them till next year. But I think just to, to get a mature buck on public land is hard enough. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I kind of think the whole, the busted up rack thing is kind of cool. Um, yeah. kind of gnarly. Um, so yeah, I knew I, I knew he was busted up a little bit, but I also knew he was really old. And yeah, well, I wasn't when he was bu- going to pass him up. When he was busted off, was, was he busted off or was he just like grow a big palmated spike? Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't. I, yeah, I guess I shouldn't say busted off. It wasn't like he broke it um, fighting or something. It was more just I don't know if it was a past injury or something, but the one side just it kind of came up with the main beam and then there was like three or four just small points off of it. It wasn't like a mainframe five on the other side. Right. Um, and that could just be because he's really old. He may have had a past injury that messed it up or whatever. Um, but yeah, I didn't care about that. He was, he was a mature deer. Right. And I was definitely, I was definitely not going to pass on that. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't either, especially on public now. Yeah. When, so you were able to identify that he was a shooter before mm-hmm. he actually, I mean, you saw him, you identified him, he disappeared and then he came back and it was easy to identify him again saying, okay, well, if he comes through, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. When I saw him the first time, he was a little bit further away. He wasn't in shooting range and he was kind of through some thick stuff. So I could tell he was big, but I didn't know exactly how big. Yeah. Um, so it got my juices flowing. I was pretty pumped up at that point. And then he walked away and I just, 
you know, it was early still. So I was just, I was pretty hopeful at that point that he was coming back, especially since there was a doe bedded down and another young buck around. I just, I figured he would, he'd be around again. Right. Um, so yeah, I knew he was big, but I didn't know exactly what he was. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, this is, I mean, this is a cool story. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, you, you make, you, you shot a big buck in the same area. Obviously any guy is going to go back there to see what's up. You made it, you saw some deer movement. You made an adjust, you did some scouting, you made an adjustment. You were able to harvest this buck again. But what I think mm-hmm. is crazy, and this is something that I don't ever have to deal with very often because typically if I shoot a deer, I can, for the most part, drive a truck to within, you know, 80 yards maybe right. if I, even if I shoot him in the bottom of the thickest, nastiest stuff, I just have to drag him uphill maybe a hundred yards and I should be able to get a vehicle there. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. not, that's not the case with, with what happened with you. Right. Yeah. So this is actually, this is another funny part of the story. Um, so I'm a chiropractor. Um, and the, the morning I shot the deer, one of my patients, um, I knew he was a hunter, um, but we were just kind of talking about it. And he said he was going out and hunting the same public land where I was going to be going out that evening. Um, so when he was leaving, we were just like, yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll shoot you a text. If I, uh, if I get something, you text me, if you get something I'll you know, we can help each other get it out of the woods. Um, so after I shot the deer, I, I mean, I dragged this thing like probably a hundred yards, 150 yards. And I was just like, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> I can get this thing all the way out of here. Like, I'm did you gut really him far first? He, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I gutted him and everything, but he was still, he was still super heavy. Yeah. Um. So, and I got him pretty early. I mean, I think I shot him at, I don't even know if it was four o'clock yet. Right. So, and at that time it was getting dark at like seven o'clock. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I actually I gutted him. I dragged him about a hundred yards. And, um, I kind of broke my string. So I actually walked all the way back to my car, text my buddy who was out there. And I just told him, Hey, I need help with this. Um, and he, he was just like, can you wait at least until dark so I can, I can stay out here until dark. Um, so I actually went to my car. I went to, to a gas station to see if they had any other rope. Cause I broke the dragging rope yeah. pulling this guy. Um, and they didn't. So I just hadn't had it improvise he's a little tiny rope um and then i just i went back out there again started dragging him um and then it got as you know when it got dark he came over he was actually on like the opposite side of this place we had to drive over to me he came all the way out and then helped me drag him out of the woods which i mean i'm so lucky he was out there otherwise i would have been out there until two in the morning yeah i mean even as it was i didn't get home until probably 10 o'clock at night but (laughs) it was uh it was how long did it take you to drag this deer from where he died to get to your truck? So, um, well, that's actually another funny point. I have a car. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. So the buck I got last year and then this one, both have been in the trunk of my car with the back seat put down. So their legs are like resting on my shoulder in the front seat. (laughs) What kind of car do you have? (laughs) It's a Dodge Avenger, so it's like a, you know, a mid-sized car. It's not oh, tiny, God. but it's, you know. But I will be getting a Jeep soon, so that is that'll be helpful with that. But um but yeah, it I mean it had to have taken us 
probably three hours all just to get that thing out of there to go two miles three hours was, to go uh, two miles roughly yeah because i mean we would we would drag about 20 yards and then we'd have to stop and rest because i mean for me dragging it like 150 200 yards on myself waiting for him i mean i was like i was gassed i was yeah. very tired from that so yeah it took forever and i'm glad he did that i mean he he did not need to help me <laughs> and yeah. And I kept them out there pretty late, so that was that was pretty awesome. I tell you, I tell you, I've heard some guys who, in some of these bigger tracks of public ground, will quarter their deer out and cape them out right there in the on the timber in the timber and yeah. pack, pack them out like a, like an elk, like an elk. Yeah, I know. I mean, I might need to, I might need to look into doing that. If, if did you did that again. thought did that thought ever cross your mind? Uh, as you're dragging that sob through the woods, <laughs> just cut, just cutting them up. I mean, I didn't necessarily think of that, but I was just like, man, I uh, something's I gotta something's gotta change next year because this is this is pretty difficult. <laughs> right, right. So, but I mean, I'll be right back out there, probably doing the same thing. <laughs> right. So, is is this one of those spots that you think kind of just reloads every year, and you know, another deer? Uh, another mature buck moves into the area and kind of claims it. You th- you think you just found it? I, I, it's looking like that right now. So here's the other thing is my, my patient who was out there, he, um, he ran cameras all summer as well. He was on the opposite side of the property for me where there's actually some, there's actually some fields that the ODNR lets farmers plant um, soybeans in. Okay. Um, and he actually hunts near that. He had, he actually got a few big bucks on camera during the summer and like into September. Um, so I don't know what it is. If it's, if it's like the bucks are hanging out kind of over there and they come over to the thick stuff when things start to happen. Um, but yeah, so far, so far it's looking like this place reloads with, uh, with the big deer. Right. So, and now kind of going all the way back to the beginning of this year, you know, we're jumping around a lot. I know, but you, you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you kill this deer, right. But, or last year you, you, you killed your buck. What were you thinking before this season started? Um, I know you, I know you did some scouting, but did you have, cause last year you killed a giant. Did you have any additional mm-hmm. like expectations of what you had planned to harvest, uh, this year? So, uh, yes and no, just because I got such a big deer, um, it was definitely my biggest deer I've ever got. And, um, I was, you know, at this point I'm just looking for something mature, you know, I'm looking for a big deer. I'm not going to shoot young ones. Um, but on the other hand, last year I got really lucky. So, I didn't really know if I was, you know, if I just got super lucky and there's really not that many big deer in there. Um, or I just got super lucky with a, a buck chasing a doe and I just set up in a, a lucky spot. I, I wasn't sure because I didn't have the him on camera. I didn't really scout all summer long. So I, I wasn't here yet. Um, so the expectations weren't actually that high just cause there was still a lot of unknowns, especially early, early in my scouting this year. I just, I wasn't sure yet. 
Okay. So obviously your scouting paid off and you stick to the same area and, and it paid off again, again for you. Um, now I know Ohio is a one buck state, right? With archery or can you go out and get another one? It's, it's one buck all year. Like if you get one in archery, you, you can't get one gone. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're done basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was done early. All right. So, are you doing any scouting late, like in season scouting yeah. now to try to locate the next, the next potential target? Yeah. So I, I have cameras out still, and I have actually got some, some decent bucks on camera. Um, and now knowing that my patient hunts out there, he showed me pictures of ones that he's got on camera. There's there's plenty of big deer out there, um, which is great. So the other thing is I'm a big duck hunter as well, and I have a, a one-year-old dog. This is his first year duck hunting. Um, so it actually worked out great for me to be done deer hunting early because I was able to get him out a lot. Um, and I actually duck hunt a lot of times the same area where I, where I deer hunt. Right. So I was able to scout some different spots closer to water, um, and I found some spots that I'm definitely going to look into hunting next year that are just kind of on the edge of the river and the lake. Um, so I found some new spots while actually duck hunting, which is a little unusual. Um, but I mean, you know, any way you can get out there in the woods and find some, find some good spots for the next year, it doesn't really matter how you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I tell you what, man, it, it sounds like you got a little honey hole that you need to take care of. Um, and yeah. don't be going on any other podcasts and t- talking to people about it. Cause there's going to be, there's probably going to be people following you into the timber the next time you go. I know it's so funny cause I, I'm in some Facebook groups like Ohio bow hunters and, um, you know, Southwest Ohio bow hunters, like things like that. And, you know, you'll post a picture and then, um, you know, you'll say public land. And then obviously the, the questions people ask is, Oh, where, what public land were you on? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not going to tell you. I'm not going to share anything. that. I'll, I'll share the, <laughs> yeah. I'll share the picture, but I'm not going to say where I was. Cause, um, yeah, I guess I'm a little selfish, but I, I worked, I worked hard to, to get out there and find that spot though. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Man, you don't owe it to anybody to tell people one way or the other. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you what, man, that's, uh, that's, uh, cool that, man, I have a, I have a couple pictures as well, or a couple places as well where, you know, you, all you got to do is just put in the time and you're going to run into something big. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so, so now if you work at it, right. So now the next question is what are your expectations for 2018? If you've already been thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely been thinking about it just because I was done so early. Like I said, I'm in these Facebook groups, like Ohio Public Land Hunting and stuff, and you're seeing people daily sharing pictures of big bucks that have been getting in Ohio. Yeah. And it's just, you know, obviously I'm already looking forward to next year. So, yeah, the expectation is a little higher now just because um, I've done it two years in a row. Um, I've kind of I've zeroed in on a, a great location pretty far out there um 
so I'm going to do the same thing this summer. I'm going to, I'm going to scout it and I'm probably not going to get any pictures of big deer and I'm not really going to care about that. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm just going to get back out there. Um, in the same area, you know, I'll scout a little bit more, see if I can tweak the location if I need to. Um, but yeah, expectations a little higher, which is fine. Well, I tell you what, man, um, congratulations on a great deer. And if I'm going to end with something and I know you were a long ways back and I know you had a long drag, but man, you got to take, you got to take better pictures. <laughs> I'm, yeah. calling you, I'm calling you out right now in front of everybody. You got to take better pictures. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, when I, uh, well, once I shot them and then, you know, I'm like looking at them and I was kind of taking pictures, but it's like, you kind of try to set up your camera, your phone, like to do like a selfie type thing. And it's just, it's not really working out too well. And then once you get them gutted and you're like, Oh my God, I get to get this thing two miles. It's just like, (laughs) there's just a lot going on and you're, you're trying to get out of the woods before two in the morning. (laughs) But I do agree with you. I, the pictures are not my strong suit at this point. <laughs> well, I tell you what, there's some room for improvement. There you go. You can work on that for next yeah. year. Maybe I need a better camera instead of just my phone. <laughs> well, or you know, or or just go to the uh, nearest road, wave somebody down, and just be like, "Hey, follow me into the woods and take a picture of my deer." <laughs> right, right. Take a picture real quick. <laughs> all right. Yeah, man. that wouldn't be sketchy. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Well, I tell you what, short and sweet podcast today. Uh, congrats on uh, another great buck. What did you uh, What did you think he scored or he aged at? What was your guess? So I'm guessing at least four and a half. Four and um, a half. You know, yeah. I, but like I said, it's a guess. His his, his teeth were just almost nothing. Um, and then he had, he had that like a white face. Um, just a real thick neck. He was fat. Um, he just, he looked like an old deer. Um, so yeah, I'm guessing at least four and a half. Awesome. Yeah. He, his head looks huge. His front end looks big. Um, yeah, yeah, he he looks like a, a mature buck for sure. So, well, again, congratulations and, uh, good luck duck hunting, man. Well, thank you. I know the, the, the late season's coming up here, so we're getting ready for that. And cut. We are done. We got a really quick podcast in the books today. I guess it's really not that quick. It's only really like 10 10 minutes shorter than a a normal podcast. But uh, it's done. Huge shout out to Will for coming on and uh, sharing his success story with us. It sounds like he has uh, found a honey hole on uh, public ground. Good luck to him uh, the rest of this year. And good luck to all of you guys the rest of this year as well. Thanks very much to everybody for tuning in and uh, downloading and listening to this podcast. Continue to do so. And please continue to support the rest of the lineup on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, uh, the Lane and Legacy Podcast, the DIY Sportsman's Podcast, the Transition Wild Podcast, and yours truly, the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast. Man, we love the support. Thank you very much. Um, Go to iTunes, leave a review on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Also, go check out all the social media, Facebook and Instagram, and that is... Sportsman's Nation. Also check out the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram and 
Facebook, social media. Uh, I don't hardly do Twitter Twitter anymore, so uh, you can go check out my Twitter page, but I don't do anything. I Maybe I just uh, comment every once in a while just, <laughs> just so they don't shut off my account. And <laughs> I... I don't know, man. I hope everybody has a good rest of the week. And what else? What else do I have to say? I usually have like a little list of notes. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't really prepare for anything. And I'm kind of wasting your time right now. But please, go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And those companies are Wasp Archery, Ozonics, Deer Lab, Exodus Trail Cameras, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Gearhead Bows, Ripcord Arrow Rests, and Bighorn Outfitters. Go check those out, guys. I'm telling you, all of the partners of this podcast are products that I have used for a very long time, and uh, I truly believe in them and use them on a regular basis. Um, This is not one of those things where I'm whoring myself out, although they are paying me, and I am promoting their product however I, I use them on a regular basis and have used them it's Christmas time so go buy a crap ton of their products and uh, tell them Nine Finger Chronicles sent you that's it if you're going to be out in the woods in the next coming weeks months years please wear your damn safety harness have a good rest of the week